Hello, and welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Brad. And Brad, we are continuing our series looking at the book of Acts. Now, last week, we talked about Acts 1-8 and 1-6, and how the small kingdom thinking of Jesus' disciples stood in opposition, really, to the vision that Jesus had of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. That's right. The disciples' worldview is definitely getting stretched during this time. And today we're going to look at Acts 2. And here things aren't getting stretched anymore. They are getting blown up in a good way, of course. Yes. I'm assuming you're talking about the explosive growth that happens in the church after the disciples received the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And this explosive growth doesn't just happen among Jews from Israel, but among people who have come from all over the known world. But perhaps I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Yes. Why don't we start with a little background on what we're going to read today? Good idea. Well, the very first verse of the chapter of chapter two tells us that this was the day of Pentecost and the disciples were all gathered together. Now, we have a certain association with the word Pentecost. Usually we associate it with receiving the Holy Spirit or maybe certain denominations. But that isn't what the Jews of this time would have been thinking about. Right. This this was originally a harvest festival, also known as the Festival of Weeks, where they celebrated the first fruits of the wheat festival. That's right. Deuteronomy 16.9 reads, Count off seven weeks from when you first begin to cut the grain at the time of harvest, then celebrate the, the festival of harvest to honor the Lord your God. So this was the original instructions regarding this festival, and it was mentioned uh, several other times in the Old Testament. That is interesting. And the word Pentecost comes from the Greek word meaning 50th, because this would have been the 50th day after Passover. Yes, in fact, the very same people who witnessed the drama of Jesus's trial and crucifixion would have still been in Jerusalem. So when Peter starts to preach to the crowd later, Jesus would have been fresh on their minds. And many of them were pilgrims and visitors from all over the world. So a great time to have a harvest of souls. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that this celebration of the harvest does end up being kind of a spiritual harvest. Yes, what, a, what an amazing moment. And it's particularly exciting to see how diverse this harvest of souls is and that it included people, like we said, from all over the known world. I also love that they were able to hear the good news in their own language. Yes, I'm sure more than a few of our friends overseas have prayed for this supernatural gift to hit them as they're studying language. (laughs) I think you're right. So let me read verse four. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And it becomes clear from what we read later that these were actual known languages of the various people who were present. Yes, and according to the very next verse, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under under heaven. Right. By this point, there were communities of Jews spread throughout the world. So some of these people would have been pilgrims who came back for the Passover and had stayed around through Pentecost. And there were also people who would return later in life to live in Jerusalem because it was believed that if you died and were buried there, it would bode well for you in in the life to come. But either way, these were devout Jews who lived or had lived in many different lands and spoke many different languages. Right. And Luke gives us quite a long list of the places where they came from a few verses later. Yes. So the crowd hears this noise and they all come together and they're astonished when they hear the disciples speaking in the languages of their homeland. And then Luke tells us some of the places. Yes. uh, Verse 9 says, 
Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear these people speaking in our own languages and the wonderful things God has done. That's a lot of different places. Now, did you like how I made our script so that you had to read all those hard names? (laughs) Yes, I noticed that. Very clever. (laughs) You did awesome. And so again, we see there are people there from places all over the world. And I think we can assume that when Luke tells us that they are from every nation under heaven, he's speaking in hyperbole that there weren't literally people from every group present, but just many, many nations represented. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. So, Brad, I'm guessing you think there's some significance to the fact that the disciples were speaking all these languages and there were people from all these different places. You have good instincts, Amy. (laughs) I try. (laughs) But we have to be careful that we aren't just cherry picking verses to prove our point, as in, well, we really want to emphasize the importance of international missions, so let's make everything we find about that. Good point. So are we cherry picking here, Brad? Well, Luke seems to go to a great to great lengths to describe this crowd as being from all these different places. He could have just stopped with Jews from every nation under heaven, but he's very thoroughly lists them out and makes much of this miracle of the disciples being able to speak in all these different languages. So I think if you put this in the context of what Jesus has just said in Acts 1 about the gospel going to the ends of the earth, and also what unfolds after this as the gospel continues to spread and even goes to the Gentiles, I think Luke is highlighting the fact that from the beginning, the gospel is for the world. That's a really good point. And for years, people have been coming to Jerusalem, and now the flow is going to start going in the opposite direction as the gospel begins to go out from Jerusalem to the world. Yes, we have sort of a reverse pilgrimage starting to happen here. That's right. So then Peter gives a speech to the crowd that's gathered, and he starts by first clarifying that they're not drunk. Always a good thing to do before you give a sermon. (laughs) Of course. And then starting in verse 17, Peter quotes a passage from the prophet Joel. Yes, this is Peter's explanation of what the people have seen and heard when the disciples received the Holy Spirit. And many in his audience would have been familiar with the prophecy from Joel because this is something that devout Jews would read during Pentecost. That's really interesting to know. Yeah, and and so I want to highlight the first verse and the last verse of what Peter quotes from Joel. He starts with this, in the last days, God's people, or excuse me, let's start that over, Drew. Yes, and so I want to highlight the first and last verses of what Peter quotes from Joel. He starts with, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. This verse was also part of the the Jewish messianic expectation that there would be a time when God would pour pour out his spirit that wasn't clear what exactly this would look like and that God's spirit would be poured out on all people. Now, certainly we know that not everyone receives the Holy Spirit, and this is confirmed with the last verse when Peter quotes uh, from Joel, in again in Acts uh, 2.21, and he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I think, I think this verse gives us some insight into the first verse about all people. God's Spirit is available to all people, everyone in the world, and anyone in the world, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, if they call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved and they will receive God's Spirit, just like the disciples do here in Acts 2. So this is indeed good news for the world. Yes, it is. So as we said, this is a prophecy, and Peter indicates that in some measure it has been fulfilled by the pouring out of the Holy Spirit 
just as they've witnessed there, and that we must now be in the last days. The Messiah has suffered and died for the sins of the world. He's been resurrected, and in Acts 1, he ascends into heaven. And now, just as we said, these are the last days, waiting for the final act of the redemptive story, the return of Jesus. Yes, and Joel also tells of a time when everyone will be a, a prophet. I imagine this would have been an astonishing thing to imagine both in Joel's time and at this moment in Acts 2, since the role of prophet had historically only been given to a few faithful people who spoke on behalf of God. Right. And so now everyone with the Holy Spirit can and should faithfully speak of God. I don't think this is speaking to the fact that everyone will have what Paul later describes as the spiritual gift of prophecy, but rather that all believers can and should now speak truth about God and faithfully share about his greatness. Pentecost means that every believer can know God truly and should faithfully be about the business of making him known. So I'm guessing you would say that this means making him known to the ends of the earth. You know me too well, Amy. Yes, again, I don't think we are cherry-picking verses to say that the mandate that Jesus lays out in the Great Commission is connected to the events unfolding here at Pentecost. Jesus gave the commission to make disciples among all nations, and now we see the means, the power, that is, that will allow God's people to do this. They've now been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be God's witnesses to the ends of the earth. Amen. And since Joel is talking about the last days here, I'm I'm also reminded of what Jesus said about this in Matthew 24, 14. And this is the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, it will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So now that Jesus' death, burial, and ascension, and believers receiving the Holy Spirit, it's ushered in these last days when we're anticipating the return of Christ— it seems that this would be an important verse to keep in mind. I couldn't have said it better myself, Amy. Thanks. I'm also reminded of another verse in the New Testament that quotes this passage in Joel, Romans 10, 13, which also says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Paul goes on to write, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? So this process of all peoples receiving God's spirit requires that someone go and tell them about Jesus. We can't forget this. Indeed, we can't. And I love how chapter two ends with thousands of people putting their faith in Jesus. Well, Brad, unfortunately, it's all the time we have for this episode of the One Link podcast. Please join us next time, though, as we continue to look through the book of Acts. Yes, we will see you next time.